0: This week's Performance Anxiety features Jordan Zederosny of Blinker the Star and Kelly Scott from Failure and Blinker the Star. This week we talk about the music the two of them have made together, uh, including some spins with Lindsey Buckingham. We also talk about Kelly's uncomfortable knowledge of John Entwistle and Janie Lane. We also talk about UFC and some obscure engineering trivia. So please enjoy this week's Performance Anxiety with Kelly Scott and Jordan Zadarozny.
1: This is Jordan Zadarozny from Blink of the Star.
2: Kelly Scott of the band Failure and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. Oh man. You're not allowed to make mistakes. Right. Right. Oh man. you like me erasing the first half of your new record. As a, uh, <laughs>
1: as a, uh, well you know that story of led zeppelin 2 where the kid was in there they had some kid in their engineering for jimmy page no it was led zeppelin 3 you know the beginning of uh
2: hi in the middle of the night come on man <laughs> right?
1: celebration beginning, day right celebration day yeah, yeah. It sounds like a weird place to come in because there was a couple bars before that. Crossfade out of Friends. Mm-hmm. Celebration Day. The kid engineer guy erased the first couple bars. And you know what he did? Before anyone knew, he got up, left the room, and he was never heard from again. <laughs> he never like, reappeared in the industry. And any guys walked out the door and he's like, I'm done. Wow. Well, he was right. He was Has right. He was anyone done. ever seen his name? No, I, I don't know. It's in a couple of books. It's a funny story.
2: No, who? Uh, a really good friend of mine is uh, 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 this guy Evan Johns. He's Andy Johns. Of course, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Tim Palin okay. introduced me to him at Largo.
2: Yeah, he would probably know.
0: Yeah. Oh man.
2: Ethan. Ethan is the one. He's Glenn's son. I know. Producer, musician, guy. I know. Then there, there's Evan, who's Andy's son. Oh! Crazy, who, who, did all their records. The, the, who produced the first couple... All these bands would hire Glenn and doing their drugs and getting fucked up and being really unreliable. So they would basically get rid of Glenn and hire Andy to do all the other stuff. <laughs> oh, Andy fucking partied. Andy actually died five years ago still partying. Yeah, White brother,
1: remember the day Ann Twistle
0: died.
2: Did I ever tell you about how I used to have to call him about jerking off? That's what I was
0: thinking about. No, well you've never told me this, so.
2: I, I my first jobs in L. A. was uh uh basically like a quality assurance. Like people when they call those uh, sex lines, I the next day would have to call them back like really sensitively and verify the credit card. Make sure it was them, yeah, that used their credit card. And it was usually their kid or it was lost or stolen or their wife would pick up the phone and grill me on what this was about and I couldn't tell them. But I I was living in Hawaii, so he was in a completely different time zone. So I'd have to call him at the same time every
0: (laughs) Every (laughs) day
2: make sure that it was him jerking off on his credit card. And, And really nice and really just like, yep, yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is already my favorite show.
1: The dark ages before porn was accessible. Oh,
0: oh man. Like,
1: uh,
2: analog days.
0: <laughs> yes, the analog days of porn. Analog, analog <laughs> telephone porn. See, that? that's an album name for you right there. The analog days of porn.
1: That's it. I like
2: Whistle, the, little- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first song is on my phone.
1: And- well, the best was um, about two or three years later, the Who did a studio album. I was reading this interview with Pete Townsend at the time. The interviewer asked Pete, um, was, was John Entwistle missed on making this album? Sadly, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, they're mean. They're <laughs> mean to each other, okay?
0: A lot of those guys from those from those old bands are pretty angry towards each other. I don't know what's yeah what yeah, happened. And their
1: families. I think they always were like they're yeah. sort of you know the, the English fans came, were, were so class dudes like trying to fight their way into the club scene, fight with the band because it's like you had to get one tiny step up. Oh, they're still fighting in this like Fleetwood Mac. They're not like Lindsay oh. gets kicked out of Fleetwood Mac. The
2: thing is, it takes two guys to replace him.
1: That's insane. Well, yeah. I love, like, I think it's ridiculous being the biggest Lindsay band in the world, but at the same time, I love that there's still drama. Like, they're, they're still, still care enough to fight. It's still just not a paycheck. There's still egos. Like, yep.
2: well, and the Davies, the Davies brothers are the same way.
0: They won't get together in the same room. They can't do it. Yeah. That's crazy. It. That's so, uh, so, Jordan, how did you work with Lindsay? How did that all come about?
1: Um, August Everywhere was made. I went out for lunch with Lenny Warren and they wanted to do another record. We loved it. Let's do another one. So I went out for lunch, and he said, "Out of all the people that I know, I want to work with."
0: And that guy and knows I, everybody.
1: I just thought Prince wouldn't show up. I said Lindsey Buckingham, and he said, "Okay, I'll uh, I'll give him a call next week." He hasn't been over to the DreamWorks offices yet. Now he ran into him in a restaurant that weekend.
2: You're actually, leaving out the best part, I seem to recall that we were on tour, and uh-huh. we. Had- air package to the hotel desk yeah it was lindsay basically demoing it was it it was like two of the songs yeah uh, just like it, 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 so lindsay took playing the drums on the side of the acoustic <laughs>
1: <laughs> I still I have them on my hard drive right now I can play yeah. it in 2 seconds yeah lindsay took um, I did two demos at home demoed them himself wow and it was like that oh, was the trip to think of that. That was crazy. It sounded like Tusk.
0: Oh, wow. Blinker the Star songs. Like, it was... That's amazing. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I've never heard of anything like that before. I mean... Yeah, well, he's a studio nut. So,
1: that was his first, like... In, first of all, like, sort of internalize it and then regurgitate it. So you know, like... Remember that song, Moon Addict, we had? <singing> Lindsay, like,
2: immediately... Like, the one where we slowed down the drums
1: or something? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember Lindsay, you and Lindsay for hours were holding up yeah, um, drum kick, naked kick drums and flicking them with your finger, and they had like U eighty sevens. Like you'd have to do it like thirty times to make it go
2: yeah, and sound like a timpani kind of.
1: Exactly, and yeah. I was just you guys were taking three hours. He started doing drugs.
2: Meanwhile, <laughs> I heroin the whole time.
1: Oh, I, I was smoking weed in the other room. You guys, were, you guys
0: were recording. I was yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well, the- that was a long day." So th- Those were the songs that ended up, uh, a couple of them being on Still in Rome. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. Well, the, the most significant thing that happened was A Nest for Two eventually made it into, Mike Friedman got it in a film,
0: basically. Okay.
1: And it was the last, it was like in the last era of where they actually made the soundtrack Nest for Two. That was the real it. Fleet Mackey one.
0: Oh, see, that's, that's also because that's now something I have to hunt down because I wasn't aware of that one. Yeah. And then uh, he he was on a Flex Your Little Claws Oh yeah,
1: so that was part two. Was when we were doing still in Rome in LA. I hired that Robbie Adams cat. That was probably really high for that. <laughs> you were doing drums for Girl in America at yeah. Metal Studios. Like Icon, it was called. Icon. Yeah. In um, Burbank? No, it was right in Hollywood, right near your old place on Poinsettia.
2: See, I knew there was some stuff that I forgot. But disclaimer: During that period and a couple years longer than that, I was. Fucking
1: so guy. memory might be spotty, but I you got to listen to Girl in America again because you played the shit up.
2: Did on awesome. I those records?
1: Girl in America ended up on an album way later in
2: 2013.
0: Oh. All right. Like I know I won't pronounce my own album. Wait, wait, that's your album and you don't know how to pronounce the title?
1: No, I don't.
0: <laughs> saying it in ways, so. about it. That's yeah, i do
2: not Disclaimer though. I haven't done drugs in 14
1: years. That's a disclaimer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mark, that, what was your original question? I've forgotten.
0: Um well we were just talking about how you met up with Lindsay and how how that whole relationship got started because he, he appears on at least two albums. A Blink of the Star.
1: Okay, and- so then, yeah, so so um, Kelly and I did, like, part of Still in Rome up in Pembroke in the winter, and we took those tracks down to LA, and I hired this engineer to finish up a, a few tracks. Also, I had the run of John Fields, a producer, so there was kind of sessions happening all summer. While I was there, I got uh, Andy Sturmer plays drums on, because I was next door, and Fields said, hey, I got the drums set up. Do you want Sturmer to play a track? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Lindsay came in and played on that one and Flex Your Little Claws, which Kelly, you videotaped, and I have it. I, that's the um, videotape of Lindsay playing the guitar solo
0: on that song. Yeah.
1: You set it up in the corner so you wouldn't notice. Um, like, oh, I, I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. I actually uh, ripped that off of YouTube. I have the audio of that myself because uh, that was just so damn cool. Oh, just the solo?
1: like. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yep.
1: It's cool, eh? He's playing my black guitar, the the Les Paul. Yes. <laughs> oh, he, he didn't tell us anything. Yeah,
2: he made really, he made me really uncomfortable with his telling me what to do all the time. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Be <Lindsay>. lazy. <laughs> Play something. That's why we yeah. brought you in. I wanted. I wanted to sound like you. Well,
2: it's definitely sweet. Like that whole thing. Uh, never meet your idols. Yeah. He not part of that. Oh like, no. He Such will live. whole cool
1: Expectations. Such a
0: cool guy. Yeah. So speaking of him not charging you guys, I noticed uh, Kelly on your website that people can send music to you and you'll play drums on whatever they send to you. Yeah. So if I record the biggest piece of shit and email it over to you, I can have the drummer for failure on my piece of shit tune.
2: I will make one section of that piece of shit not a piece
0: of shit. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna gonna have to start a GoFundMe for that because I can't afford you, but I'm gonna try to figure that out how to do that. Well, no, I don't know. My prices are pretty fair. Oh, your there. your prices are good. I'm just really poor. <laughs> so it's, I, I, I'm not arguing that point. I think your price is actually quite reasonable. I just think that I have no money. So uh, so you Kelly, you've worked with some pretty amazing people. Um, I was looking at a list here and so you've worked obviously with failure uh, yeah. You've also worked with Christina Aguilera, Linda yep. Perry's sessions, uh, Pink, James Blunt, Oftamar, Veruca Salt, KT Tunstall, Scissor Sisters, Dr. Dre. Sister Sisters. Yeah. Uh, oh, see, song.
2: Actually, a lot of that stuff is I was Linda Perry's session drummer for like seven I years. Remember. Wow. So all of those records that I did, the Scissor Sisters, Christina, Pink, uh, uh, KT, um, Faith Hill, Forty of that stuff was Faith Hill, um, Dixie Chicks, like all of that was in her, I would go out there five days a week and play on records.
0: Cool. Wow. wow, man, that's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's a pretty mind-blowing gig.
0: That's a fun life. Well, I'm a huge Linda Perry fan. I have been since Four Non Blondes, and I was always disappointed they never came out with it with that second album they started. But
2: they uh, tried it didn't work out.
0: No, no, unfortunately. I got a chance to see him live at the Stone Pony back uh what Whoa. early mid nineties, something like that, so that was really awesome.
2: Things uh uh I think things change a little bit when you've got one person in the band that's famous. Uh, others sort of uh need to do it for whatever reason more.
1: There's
0: yeah. a
2: lot of a lot of disagreements, a lot of resentment, a lot of uh jealousy.
0: Okay, yeah, um, Well, I heard, I heard, uh, and this is the, the thing about YouTube is you can find anything on it. And if, I've seen some sessions from that second album and some of those songs went on to become her solo, her first solo album. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That, that was a great album. I, I thought that was really underrated.
2: There was some cool stuff on there. She did that with, uh, uh, an old friend of hers from San Francisco that has this cool band from the deserts. They're like kind of the precursor to. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age and all that stuff—they're like the guys that they look up to. They were uh, um, them and Goss came up together. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, what are they called? Uh, they have kind of a funny, weird name. Um, Where were they from? Uh, they were from the desert. Him, oh, okay. him, became friends up in San Francisco. He lived up there for a time, but he's the drummer for this band, this desert band. Hmm. Um.
0: The two of them did that solo record together okay okay yeah that was amazing. when I, I looked at the, your list of credits and I thought oh it's funny because when I think of of your work I think mainly of failure and, and blinker and I don't I didn't really sure. think of you as a. and I guess maybe just because I didn't really know I didn't think of you as a yeah. session drummer and uh, it there's so many different styles here is it difficult to switch from one to another depending on what session you're doing
2: I mean, it, it definitely, on my part, it took a little bit of, there was definitely a learning curve to get out of being just a rock drummer um, and being able to play, you know, just a lot softer
0: okay. and
2: sometimes more intricate and more studio-y. Studio-y and live is completely different. Oh,
1: okay. Uh,
2: so that took a little bit of time to develop, Um I could always play different styles of music. Um, It just took a little time to develop not playing them hard.
0: Did that work well for uh, doing the sessions with Dre?
2: Um, Dre's was really easy. His session was actually for that record that just came out. Me and a 72-piece orchestra did uh, uh, A Change Is Gonna Come. You know that old Sam Cooke tune? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Is the engineer that originally engineered that at Capital in the big room. Wow. Whoa. Um, and basically it was like the first minute, 30 seconds of that. It was literally the, the session time was booked for 45 minutes. So you had to set up and we ran through it like once or twice and the session was over.
1: Wow. Yeah. Right Old school.
2: There's actually, you know, that movie that they just made? Uh, uh, Dre and uh, Jimmy Iovine, the one that was. Oh there. yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's a five-part series, so I'm watching the whole thing. And on the fifth day, the very last scene, video camera go into the Capitol Building, and there's the orchestra, and it's going to the left side of the orchestra, and it's almost to me, and, and it ends right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Oh
2: uh, my, like, that's the story of my life. Almost. <laughs> um,
0: I've heard yeah. that. A f- I've heard that a few times. That's uh, the story of my life too. I almost did something with it, but we'll get there one of these days.
2: I'm, I'm the anonymous.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not too much. Not to all right, Not to guys like me, because uh, and here's this is what I thought was really cool. I was a big failure fan back in the early '90s. I loved, I didn't. I started off with magnified and uh I, i'm a completist so if i get a record i like i'm gonna find whatever whoever was involved in it and i'm gonna go find everything that they've done and so i think was, i was a huge failure fan so i i saw that it was ken greg and you and i was like all right these guys are really good and i would go to this uh th- this record store and i would just start i'd be there for hours looking at records and i put i picked up uh bourgeois kitten by blinker and i said you know that sounds familiar for some reason i'm not really sure why and i picked but, it up I, I picked it up and
2: that was, was my 1st high hi-hat credit <laughs> I, that, well that's I the thing my only high hat credit
0: I flipped it over and I and I saw in the credits. Uh, may gosh, it may have even been an open copy. Uh, and I just opened it and started looking through the credits, and I saw Ken Andrews and Kelly Scott. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting it. And that's you how it became a. That's
2: played a, on that also. Yeah, so you Ken. Play drum. Greg played on it too. But I think, drums. I think he played drums.
0: That's may. That's maybe. I know. Yeah, Jordan seems to be frozen here. Oh my, my hands, enormous. And, uh, well, anyway, that's that's uh, that's how I became a Blinker fan. Oh, we lost oh. we lost him. Yeah. All right.
2: Just now getting internet. They haven't worked out all the things. <laughs> Talking about sports.
0: Not at all. Good. <laughs> that's that's my I don't, other. I,
2: I like UFC. Oh really? Yeah, I'm a I, big UFC fan.
0: Man, we should have you on uh, our other show when we when we uh,
2: watched the fights last night. Do you watch the fights at all?
0: No, I, I haven't gotten into it. It's uh, uh,
2: I got dude, it's best. I'm still Those guys are going in there and killing each other for a couple grand. <laughs> Jeez. Oh hey! Like to me, that's what sports is about. You're out there like swinging at a ball or throwing a ball, and you're wearing fucking fifty pounds of gold chains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, can you guys hear me? Well, I can yeah. hear you. I can't see you, yeah, but I can the hear video, you.
2: Video isn't on.
0: Oh, what do I have to do? Is there a button? Uh, yeah, yeah there's there's a
2: there's... Video yeah. I...
0: Talk to my there QA guy. There we go. Woo!
2: Yeah, stay standing uh, back. The, your, my screen, because it's a double screen, it's chopping your head up, and it's freaking me out. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like dirty deeds or something. Oh, yeah, there I we go. My, I got my Tom
1: Stocks on today. I'm really into these. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> you know?
0: well, we were just talking MMA, so. Uh, so. Um,
2: oh, so when you got cut off, Jordan, we were talking about, didn't Greg play drums or something on Bougeois Kitten?
1: Yeah, it was Ken's idea. I think Ken was like, I might have said like "Oh, I want it to be like my bloody valentine or something and he's like there's a lot of shape though on the drums yeah. I remember like
0: so how did you meet up with Ken and everybody in failure
1: Mike oh. Friedman yeah Michael
2: Friedman he uh, was Jordan's manager at the time we were up in Canada in the early 90s with Tool and uh him and Melissa Auf came down to the show and we hung out like went to a party at his place um and uh, yeah, Ham and Ken stayed in touch. And when he started working with Jordan, um, he gave a ring and, and asked if he wanted to work with you. I remember we went and saw Jordan. They were coming into town. They played at the whiskey, and we all went down and saw him. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, we were all we were all pretty young and innocent back then. Back then, yeah, all yeah. were. We all were.
0: <laughs> we all were. It was no, it feels like you were.
1: But I remember that night very, very well. I, I remember um, coming up because Mike, my manager, gave Ken a cassette of, for the demos of the first album or, or the first album, the first Blinker album. Ken was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I can get into it. But when we came out to L.A., these guys were all at the show, all the failure guys. And Dave Diamond hung out. And then someone suggested, well, why don't you go in the studio and do a demo? So we went up to North Hollywood. With the touring band remember it was the same place Lee Aaron had worked in we were like oh cool but that's how we all met and then within um, here I was out there recording and at the Oakwoods <laughs> yeah
2: you remember Michael Blue
1: of course yeah
2: Michael Blue stayed up there and we used to take those big uh, mirrored doors off I of know. the clock. weird Australian guy that would bring up mounds of coke and we would make these lines, these six and a half foot lines, one end of the mirror to the other. And we you know, the cardboard piece to keep your hangers straight on the bottom? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember that show. You guys were, you guys did the show at the, um, Viper Room.
2: Yeah. Was,
1: a room uh, full of models, I remember. A yeah, they
2: bust oh. in, his wife owned, uh. This, like, uh, hoity-toity uh, clothing company, St. John's. And she modeled and rented a bus and modeled in all of these pals that worked for her. Bought us all these, like, three-piece suits and pocket watches. And ridiculous- she was putting the bill for
1: everything. Like yeah. Remember well, remember his album?
2: My idea. <laughs> I was like, we got to look like we've already made it. Look and act like you've made it, and the ascension will be quick and easy. You know what he writes, he's written a bunch of passive hits for people. Oh,
1: I'm not surprised.
2: He owns Fleetwood Mac's old studio out in the valley, out in Ventura. Uh, the not, one that uh, owns. Rumbo. No, the one their manager owns. Oh, okay. Um uh, called, uh, anyway, he bought that place like writes Kobe Collette, and like all the, you know, not but he's he's had a few number one or top ten hits over the last yeah. years.
1: I just remember going to parties with him and raw uh, wasted, but like the acoustic guitar would, would come out. Michael Blue could play any Paul McCartney and or Wings song, start to finish, perfectly on the acoustic guitar and sing it perfectly. Oh, like yeah. any obscure Wings song, like Arrow Through Me or whatever, whatever you could throw at him, he do, he could do it. Squeeze exactly, yeah. <laughs> in, in he
2: knew his serious English pop, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: wow. Didn't he meet her when he was like playing in the pub in Aspen?
2: No, he had a jo- Oh, actually, yes, I think yeah. he did.
1: He was um, just playing, he was just an English guy.
2: Yeah, and he meets well, Mitch World. <laughs> and then she <laughs> bought him a house with a less Paul shaped pool.
1: Oh, geez. I remember he would show up at the Wilton house, you know, this like sort of rundown hot ragtag house of Hollywood misfits. that, you know, everyone's got like 200 bucks. Innocently enough, he'd just go, Hey, who wants to see my car? It's fucking awesome. Like like a kid. It was so great. It was like, he wasn't even showing off. He was just in a good mood.
0: He was enthusiastic. All right. So failure, let's go back to failure for a second. Failure put out. Well, the first album was really good, but but Magnified and Fantastic Planet were incredible. And then you guys took a, an enormous hiatus.
2: Woke up for a very long time. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what was the impetus for getting back together? How did that all happen?
2: Uh, Ken and Greg had children and they started hanging out again.
0: Uh, usually that breaks bands up, I think. <laughs>
2: they had children during the breakup. Okay.
0: Uh,
2: and and they're... They don't have a whole lot of, like, close friends. I mean, I suppose I don't really have that many close friends anymore either, but in general, they didn't have a whole lot of close friends, and they were both having children at the same time, and, you know, it's a new and scary thing for people. I hear, I don't know, I I have dogs.
0: Oh, it is. It is.
2: I can imagine it can be (laughs)
0: scary. I've got got three, 13, 14, and 15.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, they just started hanging out and doing play dates. And, you know, I think probably three or four years into that, Greg just said, you know, hey, you want to write music together? So they started writing. And about six months later, they decided that the writing was turning in something into something and Ken called me. It was like, hey, and give me the background. You know, I don't I don't know if you know this. And Greg and I have been hanging out for a while and we've been writing some songs and want to do an EP or still didn't really know what could have been done with it. Right. Um, but as soon as I entered and we recorded the first five songs, other people found out and they were like, you got to make a record. I'll be your manager, then and touring and, you know, it just kind of snowballed and we more or less went with it.
0: a recording um are the songs and, and i guess it's mainly more for you kelly are the songs pretty much completed and they tell you what to do or are they saying all right just here's what we've got do what feels the, right
2: the, the music for the most part is completed sometimes depending on something i do there may be uh, an arrangement change but uh uh when they give me the demos obviously there's programmed drums on there definitely a guideline okay um you know, sometimes it's pretty close to, like, what I would actually play. Um, but, no, there's, there's no one going, hey, you got to play this or you got to play that.
0: Do you get, like, um, a, a writing credit for it, that kind of stuff?
2: The song, it sounds like a song. You know, it's not like I'm going, oh, my God, why did they program this? Start, I have to go about, like, rewriting a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, you know, I just more or less play it the way I would play it, like, a drummer.
0: So do you get writing credits for stuff like that, or? Yeah.
2: That's
0: well, that's, that's good. I know. I, I've been looking at. I look at old credits, and you look at uh like uh, I don't know, Beatles stuff, and you see, you know it's all Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney, and you know Ringo had to work on some of that stuff and make it make the drums his own, but he didn't get any writing credits. So I was just wondering if that's a common practice. You know, what?
2: I I don't know how it worked in the Beatles, but I imagine may have been told what to play. Quite
0: possible. <laughs> Ringo's just a puppet.
2: I, I, I agree with you. He still should have gotten some publishing because he's Ringo fucking star. Yeah. And nobody else just by him playing on those records the way he played, they become a Beatles song instead of uh John Lennon or Paul McCartney's solo album. So I'm I'm more of like the Led Zeppelin school, where when you look at one of their records, like everyone gets credit.
0: Yeah. That's-
2: Even though, you know, Page writes the song, but then they jam it out and arrange it. And
1: Yeah, like they gave, they gave Bonham a, a songwriting credit on Cashmere just because Rude was so integral to the whole vibe of the track.
2: <laughs> Honestly, in the previous incarnation of Failure, I going back to like We Were Green and didn't really know. I didn't know that I was supposed to ask for credit. I was just very happy to be where I was.
0: Okay, so I, so I didn't realize that would be something you would have to ask for i guess i never thought of it that way
2: well when you're when you join an already established band that already has two writers in the band and that's kind of how they've been doing everything for several years um yeah at some point you kind of have to speak up and ask for it
0: i guess i want to ask jordan of, of this, this question here how at, at what point you, you put out some some really great albums uh, especially the, the last one eight of hearts that's a that's a fantastic album About recording, I mean, is it is it just you? Are you pulling people in? Um And uh, at what point do you realize it's ready? It's an, especially when because Blink of the Start for mo, for all intents and purposes is you. So yeah, I mean, I imagine if it was me, I could I would be working on it and working on it. I could I could go through the entire thing and never actually finish it because I would always be working on on one album. How do you get to the point where you say it's done? I got it. it's it's I'm releasing it.
1: Well, let let me just give you the most recent example. Today, I finished a song. I started it six months ago. So it just sort of like gets to a point where it only takes one or two nights work where you sort of have like everything else comes out really quickly. And then I just mix. It was just I'm not um, I mean, I'm fussy, but that's one thing I don't have a problem with is knowing when something's done. And how
0: how is recording and and making music and and even selling it changed since you guys started in the early 90s?
1: Well, it's completely different. Um, I think we've all kind of like took a bigger hand in the business part of it nowadays because, you know, there's less to go around. So you basically got to really get it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the business is totally different. I'm I'm sort of more self-sufficient so it's more boutique and handcrafted and in the end thing that you did all the artwork and the mastering all kind of done in a much smaller scale but to more exacting standards you know there's not like you know i the mastering guy's not
0: going to fuck up the album and you you produce a, a lot of other people's albums at this point right
1: that's what i do for a living that's what i do every day
0: kelly how failures coming out with a new album i heard uh, when you guys were recording Fantastic Planet, you you focused on one song at a time.
2: The last record like that also. Oh. We just launched... Lo- away for six months wrote and recorded the entire record and then released with a video
0: so this album is coming out as a bunch of separate eps The LP yeah Fly, because
2: right? uh last year when we got together everybody had so much stuff going on like i've just started working um my uh, uh my wife was working up until last year and uh her job went away And I was just kind of like, well, why don't you, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to love something and always have to work a nine to five job and never really get a chance wholeheartedly.
0: Oh, I can tell you exactly what that's like. uh,
2: (laughs) Stepped up. I had an opportunity to get this job and you know, it was for the both of us. So I was doing that and Ken had some stuff going on and Greg just had a baby um, so we were all in different places in our life, so much so that we weren't going to be able to just lock ourselves away somewhere for six months.
0: Right.
2: So this way, we decided to kind of do it more like what Magnified was done, where we would take four songs at a time. Mm. Ken and Craig would build them and write them. And then we book a live room and record the drums in a day. And then we would release them in sections like that. We started with coming up with, uh, the the concept is we came up with the entire album artwork uh, in a way that we could split the artwork up into four pieces. So each release has a section of the artwork, a section of the title, and a section of the music. When you put them all together, you get an entire record. The fourth installation obviously being the physical record with the physical and completed artwork and title.
1: So there'll be a finished track listing of all 12 yeah. or whatever songs. Yeah.
2: yeah. And all that each EP has its own artwork. So when you put the, all, all four of them together, you see the full album artwork, um, with some stuff filled in that you only see if you have the albums and it like builds an entire picture.
0: My next question for you is, I've been, looked at some of the old videos, uh, from failure and all. is it hard to drum in a button down shirt?
2: Um, Uh, what, what video is that?
0: Oh, shoot. I was watching it yesterday. I got to remember which one it was. I'm not sure. I have to pull it up, but.
2: That's one of the only videos where I'm wearing clothing. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: you guys had a, you guys had a clothing person on set. Kelly's not wearing that to the bar. Yeah. Yeah,
2: It was fine for a video. I would never play something like that live because just from all the sweat. It winds up becoming like four to five pounds heavier. So by the time you're thirty minutes into a set, you're like uh, slugging around all this, you know. Flopper. I think they
1: I think they had you in a button up too in the below the sliding doors video we did in Vancouver. Yeah, that video was so cool. That's so cool. I know you look great in that. I we did the- <laughs> and they were like, "Wait a minute, we got that. That was cool. That was the best shot of the whole thing." Yep.
0: <laughs> well, I, I've I was watching uh, the DVD of Golden the other day. And, uh, the one thing I noticed is that that's just some great, uh, behind the scenes work. Greg doesn't say a whole lot. There was a, yeah. there's a video where he's supposed to be doing commentary and, um, uh, it starts off with, yeah, this is uh, the video and it may have been stuck on you. Or this is the video yeah. for stuck on you. And then five minutes later, he's like, I hope you enjoyed that. And that was just, <laughs> that's the humor. And that was that's pretty big. much it. That
2: was all. That, that, that's definitely part of it.
0: Is there is there a lot of humor in failure because it doesn't always come across? You know, Ken seems to be and, and Greg both seem to be very serious.
2: I, I think I think in general as a group we're definitely more comfortable with all sides of our personality as a group. Um, there are unfortunately not a lot of um, they get to see the side where like you know Greg doesn't talk much. Yeah. So it depends on ah! you know, he's You know, it, it's it, it depends on where and who he's with. You know, there are moments where you can start talking to him, get on a subject that he cares about, he won't shut up.
1: Yeah, I've seen that.
2: Uh, the same way. It's it's just a matter. They they um like I'm really easily induced. Now I grew up moving around a lot, so like making friends really quickly, part of my DNA. Right. And you know they're they're a little bit more. Um, I don't even know, I don't, I don't even know what the word what's the word for that
0: a little bit more reserved. Discerning. Discerning. Okay. Circumspect. Circum. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's
1: a good word.
2: Also, I mean, there's also a little bit of like, especially for something like that's kind of weird and like looking at a video and you're supposed to record dial. I mean, that's kind of weird. That'll, that'll take the talk right out of you. (laughs) You know, it can be weird for sure.
0: Uh, uh, Kelly, how do you know Janie Lane or how did you know him?
2: (laughs) Um, I, when I first moved to LA, um, like the late eighties, my older brother and I, I, um, because when I moved out here, obviously I didn't know anybody. Um, and somehow we got this weird job where I wound up delivering drugs for like one of the biggest drug dealers in the Valley. (laughs) You
0: have to apply for that or?
2: No, I just, I stumbled into (laughs) it through my. Okay. Um, we met a guy and through that guy, we met a guy and that happened to be the guy and I needed a job. And I was like, yeah, sure. It's great money. So I would take, uh, uh, the Coke down to the sunset strip and because I had all this Coke, that's how I would meet people.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, it works.
2: Less, And I mean, that's sort of how I built, like, you know, my little got into, yeah, I play drums and let's jam and let's do that. And, you know, people talk to people and, you know, all of a sudden you start getting into bands and I
0: have drums and coke. I'm perfect for yeah. you guys.
2: But he he at the time I was going out with this girl, I didn't actually know him. Um, but the reason I was at the rainbow, um, and he was there, I also had this girlfriend who went to see Warren, um, and she never came home and her and I broke up shortly after that.
0: Okay. Cause she
2: was no so good. I knew she was up to no good. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew it was worth breaking up over. Okay. So I'm at the rainbow and there's Janie Lane, one of the guys in the and my older brother, of course, who's all about respect and things like that, is like, aren't you going to say something? Aren't you going to say something? Like, <laughs> Kind of coaxing me. Like, you know, now he's calling me out. I've got to do something. Oh. And I said something about, you know, my girlfriend going to the show and you fucking asshole. And he said something back kind of like, oh, yeah, not only did I fuck her, but the whole band did. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> and at that point he kind of had his back i don't know if you've ever been there but it's two stories the disco floor which is where i would hang out that's okay. where coke is my best he had his back to the stairs were probably like 40 stairs at the bottom which is where the restaurant is and like shortly after he said that within moments i just kind of did one of those like reached my hands out and gave him a nice kick in the chest (laughs) catapulted and rolled down the stairs Uh pretty much my experience with him by that point like security (laughs) saw what was going on and heard what he had said and they were kind of like you probably shouldn't have said that and just (laughs) (laughs) wait I'm not sure if they threw they probably didn't throw him out because he was
0: probably
2: took him somewhere safer for his (laughs) well-being
0: yeah (laughs) Um, biggest Loser, Janie Lane. Anyway,
2: yeah. Um, oddly, though, I didn't know from Orlando, Florida. Oh! Flash forward a couple years later, I'm in Orlando, Florida, visiting all my you know high school friends, most of which are like kind of jockey and rednecky. Right. <laughs> and we're walking down a street in downtown. We look across the street, and there's Janie Lane's Sunset Strip. Out comes Janie Lane.
0: Oh, he's
2: walking down the street, and we're walking down the street. Tommy, and literally crossed
1: across to the other side.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, I don't yeah. want to get kicked in any flight. Well, I don't know how many uh, flights the stairs to Orlando has, but. Um, I don't, Jordan, you got anything that can top that story? I don't know. <laughs> no, I've this video for 15 years, I control everything, nothing happens. <laughs> Man, ah, uh, so I only get one gangbang story per episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, let me ask you, let me ask each of you guys one more question before I let you go. Uh, because I know you guys have lives. uh, if I was to look through your, uh, your your music collection right now, whatever you're listening to music on, is there anything that I would find there that would be kind of surprising to me, something I wouldn't expect? I know, George's looking around like, I got to find something. George Michael? Okay. That's, yeah, that would, that's a little unexpected.
2: Probably, I could think, I would think like, you know, a lot of the 60s and 70s stuff, like you, it wouldn't be a far stretch to think that I would like it. Cool old pop and normal run-of-the-mill rock bands and um, Rihanna. Oh, okay. uh, Not this latest Rihanna record, but the previous one.
1: Umbrella? That
2: Um, song? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That song is so good.
2: That whole record, I can't believe no one bought that record. It's such a brilliant record.
0: I'll I'll have to check that out because I didn't buy it. That's that's
2: a
1: cool record.
0: What about you, Jordan? Anything different? Unusual? I know you got a you well, got a wide palette.
1: You, but um, I'll tell you who's
0: amazing is
1: uh, and whose record you guys should both check out. Who is teetering on the mainstream, but she's an old cat like us. She's Charlotte Gainsbourg. Oh Her yeah. Okay. Is spectacular from last year, 2017. Check it out. Like when you hang out.
0: I I did see. I don't know. Maybe maybe you would post something about that, but I, that is familiar to me. I posted a bunch
1: of songs a couple months ago when
0: I first got into
1: it because it just... In English? Um, it's, it was back and forth, but mostly English, yeah. I've heard
2: uh, uh, my wife has a couple of her previous, She she like, really got into French-speaking music for a while, especially like older 60s uh, pop.
1: Yeah, there's great, great stuff because you know, France didn't have the tradition of rock and roll, so they're sort of like... Unencumbered by the blues, you know, they don't have that tradition of like, you know, England and America. In France, they had no tradition of that, of rock and roll. They come at pop music from a different angle, and it's um Is this, Canadian,
0: your, is this your Canadian influence coming out with all the French artists, or is it just uh, your, your wide palette? Well
1: my girlfriend's Quebecois so I definitely am speaking.
0: All right, well I, you know I just did think of one more question I wanted to ask you Jordan that I I had forgotten about. Is it tough to run a studio with two kids?
1: Um not when you're divorced because mom does most of the heavy lifting. Well, there you go. No, I just had two I just had them here for 2 days and like had Sydney Engineering. Cal, remember truly? Yeah. Of course, Mark knows Robert Roth? Yeah. yeah. So, uh Robert has a new band called Little Spirits. Amazing. Hi, bloody Valentine meets Patty Smith or something. He asked me to play drums on a track last week, and then a text just as I was just about to go out. My kid was on the tractor outside, saw this message, and it was like, Oh, I, I saw on Instagram you have your drums. Must out something quick today. I was like, I really want to do this. You know, the studio here, it's like built into the house and stuff. And this, when dad goes into the control room, it's sort of like, Oh, it's dad's off on a mystery. Don't bother. You know, I was like, Buddy, can you help me? Of course, you know, nine-year-old kids know how to run computers better than me. No problem. No problem. He, engin- he did his first engineering job on rock Make sure he you credit. Absolutely. It'll be a second credit. He's, he, uh, Sidney's on Mike's first album. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I guess before we let you go, where can people find you guys, uh, social media, if they want to follow you and follow uh, the music you're making?
2: Ellie Scott and Stuff or Failure. All
0: right. And that's two L's, two I's. Yeah. All right. Jordan. Uh, the most the most active blinker
1: stuff going on is is probably on Facebook and uh, Spotify. So I would direct people there. A little bit of fun on Instagram, not too much. And uh, Twitter's a fucking dead zone out there.
0: Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time tonight. Oh, one last thing. Check out it's Christine. Oh
1: yes.
0: Hey man, I I appreciate you guys coming on. If you guys ever want to come back on, just. Let me know. Together, individually. We can get some more uh, we we'll get some more back gangbang stories.